Beyond the Wrench with Jay Ganinen from Wrenchway. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Ganinen and I am your host. On this week's episode, we had the pleasure of being joined by my good friend Lucas Underwood. Lucas is the president at LNN Performance Auto Repair. And for those of us on the independent side of the business, maybe not necessarily as much the dealer side, you know Lucas. Lucas is everywhere and he brings it. He brings a lot of great insight, a lot of great passion, and is just really, really focused on making this industry better. And uh, it was a lot of fun to have this conversation and just we cover everything, right? We, we talk about process. We, cover, we talk about uh, getting new technicians in the door and, and maybe ways that we can improve our leadership skills. I think that's something that lacks across our industry in some levels and something we can all work on, including myself. So uh, being able to sit down and have a good candid conversation with Lucas about leadership and about building process and, and about so many different things uh, was a lot of fun and uh, one of the really, really good people in this business and one that I'm proud to, to be associated with and have him on the podcast. This episode was brought to us by our friends at Caliber Collision. Caliber Collision's repairs and warranty give you peace of mind, but their exceptional customer service puts your mind at ease. They are a preferred partner of a, the nation's leading vehicle manufacturers and their technicians receive ongoing comprehensive industry-recognized training and utilize the latest technology to ensure that we restore your car back to manufacturer standards. Uh, great uh, great partner uh, of ours at Caliber Collision. Uh, if you haven't, make sure you uh, go check them out online. As far as this episode, this was one of my favorites. Uh, it gets somewhat emotional towards the end of the podcast, and, and there's a reason why. Uh, I would love to dedicate this episode to uh, a good friend that we lost in Anthony Williams. Uh, Anthony, we're thinking of you and your family and and really everything that you brought to the industry. And this episode's for you. And uh, you'll, you'll those of you listening will, will understand why as you listen through. So uh, enjoy this week's episode and uh, we'll see you next week. On this week's episode of Beyond the Wrench, I am delighted to be joined by my good friend, Lucas Underwood, those of you that know Lucas know how entertaining this podcast is probably going to be. And those of you that don't know Lucas yet, you're about to get your socks knocked off. So Lucas, how are you doing today? Buddy, I am fantastic. How are you, Jay? It, it's, a, it's a better day because I get to talk to you. Oh man, I don't know about all that. I feel the same way about you, but thanks for having me, man. I'm I'm super excited about this. I am too. I am too. You always get me pumped up. It's always fun to talk with you. And we're going to talk about some some leadership type stuff today, leadership in awesome. a shop, how we how we define maybe what's not great and and maybe how we can improve some of this. So, before we do that, I want to talk about you. I, I want to talk okay. about your background and what you do. Yeah. I, I think your story is pretty fascinating, and and you've got a lot of a lot of balls in the air right now. So I, I, <laughs> absolutely, I, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I, my name is Lucas Underwood. I've, I've been a shop owner since 2007, and I started a, a repair shop. It was a performance shop, and uh, my family's been in the tourist or tourism industry for many, many years since the forties, they owned restaurants, the whole kind of thing. So business ownership was just kind of my thing. And so I started a shop and, and had a partner in the shop and we went our separate ways. 
And I want to say probably 2010, I looked at my wife and I said, hmm, this isn't working, right? I, I was the technician. I was the toilet cleaner. I was the service advisor. I was everything, right? And in that, I, I went to my wife and I said, I want to train to be the best technician that I can be, right? And so she said, that's funny. You say that. Look at this. And she hands me this postcard for an event in Cary, North Carolina called ASTE. I walked through the front door of ASTE, had never been to an automotive training in my life, walked through the front door, and the the executive director, who I had no clue who he was at the time, is standing at the front door, and he says, you're Lucas Underwood. And I'm like, looking, do I have my uniform shirt on? I'm like, how does he know that? And you know, he says, I've got a question, man. I, I've just got to ask. And I said, what's that? He said, I see that you're a shop owner, but you're taking all these technical classes. And I said, listen, shop ownership's not for me. I can make more money having a job. Why would I do this? And he said, would you humor me? Now, I'm, listen, I'm from the South. Somebody says, would you humor me? You pretty much got to say yes. Y'all don't use that against me. And, and so long story short, I end up in two management classes. First one was by a man named Malin Newton. And Malin tells a story about Disney and this experience he had in Disney. And he, as he's telling this story, he says something. He said, you know, oftentimes shop owners and, and service advisors and technicians, they believe that customer service is how they feel about the client. It's not that. It's how the client feels about you. I'm like, oh, heck, I've been doing this wrong. And the next class was by a man named Rick White. Rick went on, went on to be my business coach later on in life. And, and I sit down in this class and Rick said, listen, I know you're stressed out. I know you don't think you've got the time to be here. I know you don't have the money to be here. And I understand why. But I also understand you've been trying to reinvent the wheel. If you'll spend 10 minutes with me, I can show you a way that this business works. This, this business has been around for many, many years. It can be profitable. Let me show you the way to do that. It doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be stressful. And here we are. That was that was you know seven eight years ago. Gosh, we're longer than that now. God, we probably should. Yeah, you're getting old now. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so at that time we were doing fourteen thousand a month. And now in the same size space, same size staff, the whole nine yards, we're doing one hundred twenty five thousand a month with basic. Right. We're not talking about advanced systems or anything like that. We're talking about very very basic changes in the business. And so. In this whole transition of, of growing and, and getting better at owning a business and becoming a business owner, in the same respect, I joined a group called ASOG or the Auto Shop Owners Group and, and really developed a passion because I realized there were a lot of people, a lot of shop owners, and, and I, I, I've got to drop this in here. Tex, listen, if, if you're unhappy with your shop owner right now, chances are it's a lack of knowledge. It's not that they're just a jerk. Okay, There's a lot of shop owners who just don't know how to run a shop. They don't understand business. They're really great technicians, not really great business owners. And I realized that, and I realized we need to develop the same hunger for education that I had by going to ASTE for that first time. We need to develop that in other shop owners. And over time, we grew ASOG to where it's over 6,000 strong shop owners. It, it's a resource. It's a tool. It's now a 501c3 educational fund. We do dinners all over the country to take technicians, service advisors, and owners completely free of charge to events through scholarships. And then we started our very own podcast called the ASOG podcast, where we talk about the challenges of the industry in a very, very candid and open and unfiltered and unpolished, pure way. You know exactly how we feel when you, we get done. So uh, it, it's been a fun ride. 
I few things here, and of course you started off with a bang, and I was going to say nothing you do is unpolished, so I, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's possible. But you named a couple people there with Malin and Rick. And they are phenomenal, phenomenal coaches, just great people, and just a lot of respect for them. And then two organizations, ASTE and ASOG. And I think one thing right off the bat, and I talked to Carolyn Cocolet about this as well in a few podcast episodes ago, is the importance in the association and how often a lot of shops just don't take advantage of what an association has to offer. And I don't know if you've seen that in your experience, but it feels like I see it out of 90, 95% of members just don't take advantage of the opportunities that are out there. It's very true. And, and, you know, it's very interesting. You bring this up because we've had some conversations about this lately. And, and I have mentioned Mm -hmm. to our friends at ASTA, I'm on the board for ASTA, which is the, the organization that hosts ASTE. And I've said, listen, shop owners don't care about the benefits. They hear about benefits from everybody else. They don't care about what kind of discount they're going to get here, what kind of discount they're going to get there. They care about the camaraderie. They care about the the ability to talk to other shop owners and know they aren't alone and talk to other technicians and know they aren't alone. There's people that are out there with them going down the same path right now. You know, Jay, it's tough to share this story, but I I think it's important to share this story. I was in a shop a couple of weeks ago. And I'm not going to share who this man was, but I was talking to him. And and this is important for me for shop owners to hear this. It's important for service advisors to hear this. And it's important for technicians to hear this because we've got a lot of technicians who are going and starting shops, right? I'm, I'm going to be candid about this. We've got a lot of them who are going and starting shops and saying, I'm going to do this better. And I watched a very, very similar situation just a few weeks ago. I went into a shop and was talking to a man who had been running the shop for 20 years. And he said, I've got to be honest with you. You've been in here a bunch of times. I'm going to be completely candid about how I'm feeling. And I said, how's that? He said, I'm, con- I'm contemplating suicide. And I said, do what? Like, what's going on? What's wrong? He said, Lucas, he said, here's the deal is I recognize right now. The only way out of this shop is I either die working on cars or I commit suicide. I said, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. There's a way out. He said, yeah, but, but you go to those meetings and it's a, it, it's them trying to sell you something. I said, no, 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 that's not what this organization is. He said, yeah, but then you go to those meetings and they're trying to brag about their shops. I said, no, 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 I promise that's not what this is. <laughs> and he said, really? I said, yeah. I said, you, this is about getting to a different place than you are right now, because I promise those aren't the only two ways out. And, and so we begin to talk. And he shares with me that he was a technician and he semi inherited this shop. He was working in the shop. The owner died. The wife didn't want any more. Here you go. Take it and run with it. And I said, the realization is, is that you've got to understand your job changed the minute that that happened. No longer are you a technician. You were a business owner. It's not the same job. And that's where the association steps in is because they provide the resources. They provide the tools to an owner like that who does not know. Right. They provide the camaraderie. We were talking about it just the other day. A good friend of mine, Todd Compton, was up here at the shop and he was talking about, you know, I joined the independent garage owners of North Carolina 20 some years ago when I realized all of the shop owners that I looked up to are part of that organization. That's when I joined because I realized that their leadership had made them successful and I wanted to see what it was. I wanted to hear them tell stories. I wanted to hear the war stories. So I understood because I didn't know the right questions to ask. And I thought that was just such powerful knowledge, you know? 
It is. I man, what a powerful story that is too. And I, you know, yeah. I I look prior to my dad having a coach at, at his shop, and th- this story really relates to me or it hit home with me because it was probably it was less than ten years ago. He came to me and he's like, he similar. He's been. He's in his 30th year of business this year, and it was probably year 22, 23. He came to me. He's like, Jay, if somebody came and said they wanted the shop right now, I'd give them the keys and walk out. I'm like, man, you put so much time into this. You put so much hard work into this, and you're willing just to step away. And that was when we started entertaining conversations about getting – some business help. And he was totally the technician turned owner, didn't like necessarily the phone side of things, even from the start, back when he first started, when I was a kid, I remember like the damn phone just stops ringing. I'm like, even yeah. as a kid, I was like, oh, those darn customers keep calling and wanting right. to work I on know, their- <laughs> man. I'm telling you, I don't know why they're bothering me during my lunch hour. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but it, I think it all lends itself to leadership in shops. And that's yeah. really what we're talking about today. Absolutely. And, and I think a big part of that problem is, or maybe not even problem, just the way the industry's been for a long time is that so many managers in this business have a technical background yes. and are really, really stuck mm-hmm. working in the business rather than on the business. Amen, and buddy. Are, yeah. are, you know, I, they just, they haven't been taught a better way. And yeah. when they don't understand that and they don't understand a PL and they don't understand just general leadership and how to get people to follow you, it makes their life a nightmare. And absolutely, and, you know, it, it's, it, it's sad it's to overwhelm. see. It's yeah. overwhelm. Right? What 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 is it that we're looking at? We're looking at overwhelm, and the reason being, and I, I make this post almost every single day in ASOC. The purpose of an auto repair shop is not to fix all the cars. If you fix all the cars, you're out of business. The purpose of an auto repair shop is to fix all the cars you can profitably in forty hours a week, right? Because if you run out of cars, you're out of business. Yeah. You 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 could fix cars indefinitely. And never getting where you can fix a hundred cars a week and never be profitable. You can fix a thousand cars and we can never be profitable. You can generate a million dollars in gross revenue and not be profitable. Right. And so I think we miss that. And, and the problem is, is what that leads to from my estimation is overwhelm, right? Because they're fighting as hard as they can to fix all the cars and just get the cars out the door, just get the cars out the door, get the cars out the door. And, and, and it's an age old story. I do it all the time. Listen, just get out of my way. Fine. I'll fix it. Right. If you've ever read the book Clockwork, the same dude that wrote a, a Profit First wrote a book called Clockwork, and he's like, it's Mike, a proverbial cycle. Mike Mick, Mike Oloski or something. I, like that. I, yeah. Listen, you're from up north. You can say yeah. it. I, I'm <laughs> not going to butcher it, buddy. You're not talking me into that one. Long story short, like he talks about this is a cycle, and and they will hire somebody, and then they'll be like, hey, listen, it would be easier if I just did it myself because, and I have been there, right? I have 100 percent been there. And you're right. Like, we don't know how to lead. And, and the problem is, is that we never spend time to develop ourselves and develop that skill. And listen, I'm not standing up here saying I'm an expert. I, I make the mistake all the time. I, I'm building a new shop and I've been disconnected from my current shop and I have paid the price for it. I've seen gross revenue go down. I've seen employee satisfaction go down. I've seen a change by me not being here and picking up the pieces of the puzzle. But, you know, the one piece of the puzzle I don't have to pick up is fixing the cars. That's the one, you know, what I've done in my business is I've hired people who are way better than I am. 
It's not that I'm a great business owner. It's not that I'm a great leader. I went and found people that are better than me and put them in place and then let them do their job. You know, we talk about, and I think he's been on your show before, but Dutch Silverstein, right? He's one of the moderators. He hasn't. He, he hasn't. He should be, but yes, he we'll hasn't. We'll get him. We'll get yeah, him. Yeah. But you know, th- there were two things in the heat of me fixing my business that Dutch said to me that still to this day stand out and I get in a bad spot and I think about it and listen, I still get in bad spots. I still make mistakes. I fail as a leader. I say the wrong thing. I do the wrong thing. I'm not always hitting leadership 100, right? But Dutch said two things to me that really stand out to this day. And it was when I was fixing the business and things weren't going my way. He said, son, he said, do you know what they teach pilots to do if the plane is on fire? And I said, no, I don't have a clue. He said, they tell them to fly the damn plane. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. They don't tell them to put the fire out. He said, no, they don't tell them to put the fire out. Okay. They don't tell them to land the plane. No, they don't tell them to land the plane. Boy, I'm lost here, Dutch. You're going to have to explain. He said, they tell them to fly the plane. And he tells a story about where this came from, right? This came from an accident in Florida over a 13 cent light bulb that killed many people that nobody had to die. Everything was okay. The plane would have flown for thousands of miles without problems over a 13 cent light bulb. All these people died because we became so focused on the 13 cent light bulb. We, we lost focus of what our job was. And I'm like, I don't understand Dutch. What does this have to do? He said, listen, in an airplane, they tell them three things, aviate, navigate, and then communicate. Your job is to fly the plane. Your first job is always fly the plane. And I'm like, I still don't understand how this has anything to do with business. And he said, son, listen to me. The number one thing you've got to do is focus on safely and reliably repairing cars for your clients so their vehicles are safe and reliable. That's your number one focus. If you can do that, the rest will come into place. Do a good job, right? Okay, Dutch, that makes sense. Like when the rest of the business is falling apart. If we can get people in place that can properly repair automobiles, we can work on the rest, but do the core of of what the business is, safe and reliable auto repair. That's the number one focus. Not fast, not out the door right now, not cheap, safe and reliable. Okay, Dutch, he, he comes at me with this and he said, now listen, there's something else you need to know. He said, when you're flying an aircraft, he said, there's there's something they always told the pilots and it was that you can delegate all of the authority in the world in regards to that aircraft. But at the end of the day, it's all still your responsibility. You could put somebody else in charge of that whole plane and they could fly it. But at the end of the day, you couldn't look at them and say, you flew that plane into the ground and it's your fault. No, you were the pilot. It was your responsibility. I'm like, I I like the first one a lot better, Dutch. (laughs) Right? Man, is that a good story though? I I know, right? And he, he says, listen, he said, I know you like the first one better. But at the end of the day, your business is your responsibility. You take ownership of everything that happens in it. So, son, listen, if something's not working right, that's you. That's not your employees. That, that's not some magical creature over here. That's not because the way the shop's designed. That's you. That's your leadership that got you there. And, and son, I'm going to tell you, if you don't like where you're at, you got to do something different. And so far too often we hear shop owners that say, I'm unhappy, man. My techs are idiots. My, my service advisors are dummy and they're not doing their jobs and I've got to do everything myself. No, it doesn't have anything to do with them. Your focus is in the wrong place. The focus needs to be on where the problem really lies. And I hate to tell you, it's a nasty feeling to realize this. The problem always lies right here. It's never 
anyone else. It's always you. Man, I, I, it, it so hits home with me because that's something I talk to a lot of owners, managers about is the looking in the mirror part of leadership and yeah. understanding what you're not great at and that, you know what, it's okay if you're not great at everything. Yes. Like there's no perfect person out there. Like it, it. it is, it is being able to be humble enough to know Amen. where your weak spots are so that you yeah. can improve them or hire somebody that is good in those areas. It, you know, it, that, that to me is maybe the number one issue with yes. w- with leadership when it comes to our industry. I, I agree 110%. Listen, we're proud people, right? We fix things that nobody else can fix. We do things that no other skilled trade could imagine doing. We do it with way less revenue than the other skilled trades do. We, we require way more tools. We deserve to be proud. I, I think we 100% deserve to be proud. But the problem is, is we've got a lot of owners who are proud in the wrong areas, right? And if you're not humble enough to say, I need help, how many shops do me and you both talk to or go into that they need help, but they're so proud, they're unwilling to say, I need help, right? Mm. When the technician goes to them and says, hey, listen, man, this is not working. I'm a business owner. I'm blah, blah, blah. They become offended. They become upset. They, they turn against them, right? When they're coming to them to say, Hey man, I am trying my best to help. It, you know, maybe we could look for some knowledge. Maybe there's a better way to do this. You see, we all look at each other like we're against each other in this industry, and that's not the case. And and there's a lot of shops who have figured this out, right? Leadership, time and time again, has built a wall, right? And when I say leadership, I'm not talking about the act of leading your shop. I'm talking about the the position of leadership. The shop owner has built a wall that says you can't access me. You know, just fix the car. Fix the damn car. That's all I want done. Just fix the damn car, right? And the problem is, is that if there is that wall, if we can't have communication, if they can't come to you and talk to you and talk about a problem without feeling like they're going to get their head chopped off, the business never improves. You can't see it. The 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 thirty thousand foot view. Do you know why coaching helps shop owners? Because they can see it from thirty thousand feet. They're not in the middle of it. They're not in the thick of it. The coach can see it from far, far, far away. Mm-hmm. makes all the difference in the business. And it, it it comes down to they are able to recenter them in the leadership role, not just the boss position. Does that make sense? It, I think that's where there's such a difference between leadership and management, right? There's, yes. there is, there's a distinct difference. You need to be a good manager, but unless you have that leadership capacity, it's really hard. And I, you know, yeah. I think if you don't understand that part, that's probably where you're going wrong is, is yeah. if you are checking the boxes, you're doing everything process related, you're doing all of those things, yet you're still fighting against your entire team. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot easier to lead with a carrot than a stick, you know, like it, 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 it they, they need to follow you. And, and here's the thing is that, that first of all, you know, I, I'm a big Tim Kite fan. Do you know who Tim Kite is? I, I, I've heard the name. I, I'll, yeah. I'll send you a video when we get done. Maybe you can drop it in the in the description. We'll put it in the notes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, man, amazing. Amazing video because he talks about leadership. And he talks about productive discomfort. Like to get to this high level, to get to this exceptional, you've got to go through some productive discomfort. It's not nice. It's not great to cross into that exceptional level. And the same is true for leadership. 
And, and, you know, he talks about many different facets of leadership and the fact that, that oftentimes this blame game turns our team against us because everybody's trying to blame somebody else. And that happens all the time in repair shops. You know, Zig Ziglar always said something and, and it became somewhat of a basis for why we do what we do in our shop. He said, you will get where you want to go in life by helping enough other people get where they want to go. Right. And that's become kind of the motto here in the shop is, look, I'm helping you achieve what you want as staff members. Right. And I don't always do a good job of it. Let's be really clear about that. But my job is to help you get what you want. Your job is to focus on the desired outcome. Right. And this is where shop owners, in my opinion, get it wrong, because what is the desired outcome? A lot of shop owners, if you ask them that, they'll say, I don't know. They'll spend 30 minutes thinking about it. Maybe they say it's to fix all the cars in the lot, right? I I don't care about fixing the cars. Do you know what my desired outcome is, Jay? One desired outcome. I want a safe and reliable automobile for my client. That's my desired outcome. You know your mission. Absolutely. That's what I want to achieve. And so every single position in this shop, they don't work towards my goal. They work towards their goal, their piece of that puzzle, which ensures they accomplish the shop's goal, the destination. They know that their desired outcome is a safe and reliable vehicle for their automobile. What's what's my personal desired outcome for the business? I want gainful employment that's safe, that's reliable, that's dependable, right? Sounds like we're talking about a car, right? Safe, reliable, dependable for our people. I want to build an environment that's safe for them. They don't have to worry about it. They don't have to worry about getting that paycheck. They know they're getting the paycheck. I want it to be dependable no matter what. They know they're taken care of. They don't have to worry about coming in and getting fired on Monday morning because I got a wild hair in my hiney. Right? Like we're not going to do that. We've got a system. We've got a handbook. We've got a process that allows us to secure their employment here. We, they know we're profitable. They know, look, man, something bad happens. Lucas has got my back. He's going to take care of me, right? That's what we do. That's my desired outcome. Profitable and, and reliable, safe, dependable employment, gainful employment for our people. And what, what you do in building trust in that type of relationship trumps everything else, right? Yeah. Because if if they do feel that you're dependable and reliable and yeah. that you're not going to throw a fit every time something goes wrong, I've worked at places like yeah, that dude. before. Yeah, It's not fun. I mean, where, where everybody's on pins and needles, nobody feels like they can speak up or talk about their, their personal life or, you know, I, I use the scenario that You can tell a lot by a leader based on the fact of how they would react when somebody, one of their employees came to them and said that they wanted to start a competitive business. Yeah. Because how they react, if, if a, if a shop owner and has a technician working for them and that, that technician comes and says, Hey, you know what? It's been a goal of mine for a lot of years to start a, a, a shop. I want to start my own shop. And I think there's a lot of technicians out there that would yeah. like that. I, once they get into it, I, I think it's almost a different, right. a different variable because yeah. it's a, like you said, it's a different position altogether. But yeah. simply how they act in that type of conversation says a lot about them in my eyes. I agree. Right? I agree. And, and because so, yeah, go ahead. Here's the thing. Let's go down that rabbit hole. Right. Let's talk about that a little bit. 
So maybe that's part of what's wrong right now. Maybe that's part of why we have the bitter old shop owner who can't see a way out because nobody did that for him. Right. And and I even remember back a few years, there were a few independent shops, but it seems like we've got more independent shops now than we did when I was growing up. And all those guys and gals worked for dealerships. And, and if you, I don't care what anybody says, if you read flow charts and you go to a dealer level training, you're quickly going to realize that that has nothing to do with teaching you how to properly diagnose or repair an automobile. It's follow the steps right? Their interest is not training you to be an absolute master technician. They might call it a master technician. And I'm not saying anything bad about the dealerships. Please don't misunderstand. I'm just saying that's not, it's not their prerogative, right? It's not their desired outcome. It's not what they're trying to achieve. They're trying to achieve something where you can repair a, a vehicle under warranty. That's their desired outcome. That's what the manufacturer's job is. We sell cars. We don't necessarily fix them. And so if we're thinking about this from the, the standpoint that the last generation who is currently running repair shops, they came from the dealer in a lot of ways and they started their own shop. That dealer mentality is not necessarily going to work when it comes to managing and leading an independent repair shop. There's nothing wrong with the dealer mentality. It's just a different world. It's a different business. It runs differently. And so if we continue to say, we're not going to teach you how to run a repair shop. You might be my competition. Guess what happens? You end up with a shop down the street that's charging half of what you are, that's not making any money. The dude's subsidizing your client's repairs with his money that's supposed to send his kids to college and, and beat his retirement because he doesn't know better. Whereas if you, Mr. Shop Owner, take him in and let me show you how the business works. In a lot of cases, you're going to find that he says, whoa, hold on. I don't <laughs> want to do bookkeeping. Sorry, buddy. That's part of the job. I don't want to clean the toilets. I'm sorry, buddy. That is also part of the job. I mean, like, I'm not saying that because I don't want you to be a shop owner. I'm saying that because you need to know before you get there, that's the job. Let me show you what it is. Let me show you how to do pricing. Let me show you how to speak to the client. Let me show you to, how to handle an, an uncomfortable situation and have those talks that you don't want to have. I, look, I, I am a firm believer. I tell my guys all the time, every hard conversation that you come across, you better take that opportunity to have that hard conversation. And they say, what in the hell are you talking about? It is so important to learn to have hard conversations. The things that you know that other person doesn't want to hear what you have to say, the sooner you do that, the realize, you'll realize they're not going to rip your head off. They're not going to bite you in two. They can't eat you, right? You're going to live through it. But that's a key to leadership is having the hard conversation. And if we can't teach others to lead, you see, Jay, what I've learned about ASOG, what I've learned about ASTA or what used to be IGONC here in North Carolina is, is it's not so much about being a great leader in these organizations. It's not so much about being, you know, the know-all automotive technician. No, it's about teaching it. Because when you start to teach it, it really, A, it convicts you because you say, oh, I know I should be doing that. And I just told this guy to do it, but I'm not doing it. I better go do this. <laughs> right? So you get better. Isn't that the truth? But you begin to talk about it and you begin to, to grow as a leader through talking about it and you're learning from other people. You're developing as a leader. Right? We, we bring technicians into the shop and we say, hey, listen, just go back there and fix cars. Four model years later, 
if he's not had some training, dude doesn't even know what he's working on anymore. Even if he's got the best service information in the world, you know, we're getting ready to make a shift to EV. If he doesn't understand how that system works, there's no way he's going to be able to properly repair it. Well, it's the same thing with leadership. The, the dynamic changes every single day. We're dealing with a, you know, maybe the best explanation is in 2007, when I started the business, I was dealing with a different type of client than I'm dealing with right now. Our society has changed what they desire. We're dealing with an Amazon world right now. We were dealing with a McDonald's world then. We're dealing with something different. We talk to people differently. If you're not developing as a leader and learning new skills and tactics, man, you can't just own a business and say, I'm not going to learn. I'm not going to grow. You can't just own a business and say, you know what? It's on cruise control. I've got a service advisor and a technician. I'm going to step away. I'll just pay the bills. It's not real life. Anybody who tells you that's lying to you. I promise. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I So much good information out of what you just said there. Video is becoming an increasingly important tool for recruiting technicians. Rentway Shop Talk videos gives technicians an inside look at what it's like to work at top shops across the country. Shops share all kinds of authentic, unscripted videos that gives an inside look at the shop's culture, people, facilities, and benefits of working there. You can also filter videos by location and category. To check out what it's like to work at shops in your area, visit app.rentway.com slash shop talk. I wonder, I, maybe I'll frame this as a question more so than anything, but how much of it has to do with that technician sitting in the shop and saying, hey, I see what they do up there and I see what they're charging and I know what my salary is and there's a big difference between the two and I maybe don't quite understand it, but I just yeah. don't think they're doing it the right way. I'm going to go out and do it myself. I think that's a lot of it. And, and I think that for so long and and I don't really do a good job of it because I'm just getting my feet under me in this area. But for so long, we failed to go to our technicians and te teach them a financial responsibility, right? Like I know nobody wants to hear that, but, but a lot of times we, we have these guys who say, I won't get out of bed for $35 an hour. Listen, you need to understand that, that, you know, it'd be great if all techs earned $120,000 a year. There's some areas of this country that are not going to support that. Yeah. There's no way around it. I'm not a big demographics guy. I, I think we're a long way from where we should be. But I'm going to tell you right now that the cost of living in rural North Carolina is not what it is in New York City. So I, I think we have to we have to recognize that when we talk pay. And I know we're not talking pay. But I also think that that they have to recognize the liability that's associated with it. We have to teach them about the financial aspect of the business. Now, there's some financials they don't need. There's some financials they probably should not have. And that's just for the security of the business and the security of others' employment, right? That just the, the rules. That's the way it, it is. is. Business, yeah. Right. But if they don't understand the P&L, if they don't understand that, hey, we were 60% gross, 70% gross, and there's net 10 left over at the end, and he reinvested all that back in the business. Right. He took an owner payroll that's way less. Do you know that the majority of owners in the country right now are not getting paid? Do you know that the the average net profit from all the coaches that I know, they say it's five percent net? Five percent. Do you know that you can take a hundred thousand dollars and put it in the stock market and get 10 percent? I mean, you'd have to be stupid. I hate to say that you would have to be stupid. And and what's sad is so many don't even know it. 
they don't know what their net is. They don't understand it. The accountant gives them a P&L and says, look, you made money. And they think, oh, we made profit. Yeah, we didn't lose money. Right. And, <laughs> and it's not even a clean enough P&L to know the accountant is a tax oh. liability professional. All he did was make sure you didn't owe Uncle Sam anything. Right. And how many shop owners that say, look, I, I'm, I need to be zero at the bottom of that line. So I don't have to pay any taxes. Right. So the problem is the shop owners don't understand how to teach that. They don't understand how to teach the financials. And the other thing that technicians never get right on the backside of this whole financial discussion is that your shop owner lays in bed at night at 3 a.m. and says, God, I hope I've got enough money to pay my guys. Oh, man, if something happens, I hope that I can take care of them. Right. And, and over the years, you get better and you better and, and you have better problems. Right. Like I, I told Rick years ago, I said, hey, I just want to get rid of all my problems. He said, son, when you get all, rid of all your problems, you're dead. <laughs> Let's just get some better ones. It's uh, pretty good life advice. Yeah, I know. Valid point, right? <laughs> and, and so like w- when we talk technicians understanding the ownership and leadership role, it's impossible to understand. And unfortunately, I can't convey to them. My guys understand it, but I can't convey to them the stress and the workload and the liability and all the things that are associated with that. They see their owner, and I'm going to tell you something. Social media, I know it's I know it's important, but boys, do you see the highlight reels? Do you see these shop owners who have all this nice stuff and all that great stuff? You know, I'm going to give you a piece of advice my daddy gave me when I was little. We drove by somebody, and they had all these really cool Kubota tractors and stuff. And I said, Dad, why don't we have all that stuff? And he said, Son, because the bank owns it all. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's pretty valid. You know, like I don't want stuff the bank owns. And and so we see the highlight reel and we think of how great it must be to be in their shoes, but we don't really understand what being in their shoes means. We don't under, and, and unfortunately, in many cases in our industry, they don't understand what being in their shoes means either. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and I think you bring up a really valid point because not only do they not know, I don't know that they care, right? Like the yeah. technicians don't want to hear about how hard your life is when they're yeah. underneath a car and it's a hundred degrees out and that's it. You know, they've got exhaust coming down. Like we've all been in that situation and yeah. it's not fun up here no. in Wisconsin in the middle of winter when salty snow is like dropping in your, oh, your dude, face. That is so miserable. It's like it's in your the worst. eyes. Yes. And, yeah. Yes. The, the worst. And so the last thing you want is, the owner coming out or the manager coming out and saying how stressful their life is because yeah. you're like, are, are you kidding me? Like, what? <laughs> exactly. And we all have different levels of stress. We all yeah. deal with different things. I used to think the snowy vehicles were the worst until I started working on Porta John pumpers. Those are really just <laughs> way. And, and some of these agriculture, if you've guys, ever had a bad day at work, like it's not yeah, as bad as that. Exactly. So some of the agriculture guys, man, the bullshit, literally quite literally that they deal with, I'll pass. I'm good. You know, there are some spreaders out there that have some questionable stuff in them and it smells. Oh man, you, you're right. They don't understand and they don't want to understand. But the problem is, is they have to understand if they want to become a business owner. Yeah. Right. And, and, from my perspective, from where I sit, and it is something that plagues me, right? I, I have found minimal success or, or decent success with my business, right? We're getting ready to go into a bigger shop. We're finally to where we're not thinking about money seven days a week. We're, we're okay, right? We're not, we're not struggling. I've done okay. I'm, I, I'm not there yet, right? And 
one of the things that that plagues me, one of the things that I stress about, and one of the things that I think we have really failed to do in our industry that's led us to this, and it really ties back into this leadership, is that we have a responsibility to our people. We have a responsibility to the people who work for us. We have a job to do. And, and when I say that I believe in taking care of our people, I take that very, very seriously. That is my job, right? Beyond anything else, that is my job. And Jay, here's the problem. We don't have a plan for them. Why do they want to go start their own shop? It's because we don't have a plan for them. When you talk to a technician who says, listen, the problem is when I hit 50 years old, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. And you don't have a position for me. I'm going to slow down. And you're not going to be able to keep me on the line anymore because I'm too slow. What else am I going to do? I don't know how to do anything else. I've never learned how to do anything else. I don't have a 401k. I don't have retirement. I don't have all of these things. Now, the business's responsibility is to be profitable enough to do that. And I understand in a lot of cases right now, the reason that we're not is because we have, as I said earlier, subsidized the repair for the client with money that was supposed to pay for those things. 100%. We were too worried about telling a client something they didn't want to hear. Then we were about taking care of our people and having the money in the account to do that. We just assumed beyond anything else, I don't need to do that. Look, I'll just be a little bit cheaper. That was our marketing strategy. I'll just be a little bit cheaper. We'll get more cars. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And so now here we are. We've got a 50-year-old technician and we got to say, Bobby, I'm sorry. Man, you can't fix cars anymore. I don't have anything for you. They didn't plan ahead because they never had financial education. We didn't plan for them properly. And that is a lapse of leadership industry-wide right now. I don't care what anybody says. I feel horrible about the fact that we've got people in this position. So, A, we got to do something about that. That, that's the number one leadership problem we have right now. That's why the guys feel like they need to leave and go somewhere else. We've got to give them the tools, A, to train themselves. We've got to give them the pay to be able to put some stuff back. We got to offer 401k. We got to offer retirement. And I know this is not about pay, but it's if everybody's it, leaving, right? it is, if everybody's leaving, why, why are they leaving? You know, we were at, um, we, we hosted a, a panel. I was on a panel and, and hosted it for Cecil at the iScan conference the Ifrabe Center in, in, in Ogden, Utah. And as I sat there, I'm a big believer in letting people say what they want to say. I know there's a lot of panels. I know there's a lot of stuff where we've had these discussions in the past. And when things started to get a little bit heated, we moved the discussion away. Now, if you had seen the look on Cecil's face when I didn't stop this discussion, you would have absolutely paid money to see it again. I definitely would. Sorry, Cecil. But but somebody in the back of the room stands up and says, you guys talk about EB and all this other stuff. I, you're asking me to work for $30,000 a year. This is bullshit. Yeah, it is. You're yeah, exactly right. It's a valid wrong. comment. And so this discussion goes around and around. And the coolest thing ever happened, right? The coolest thing ever. We, I actually talked about it to Cecil in one of our podcasts. It was one of the last ones out. This man on the top of the balcony raises his hand. He said, I've got a question for everybody. And they all looked up at him and he said, do you like what you do? And every single hand in the room went up. Now that's cool. hundred and some people in the room and every, there was not a hand down anywhere in that room. The problem is not that we don't like what we do. We love what we do or we wouldn't be doing it. 
but we've got to make it rewarding to do it, Jay. Mm. We've got some work to do. And and look, this is the task of leadership. We, we have let our people down for far too long. We've not done the work that we need to do to take care of them. We've not done the legwork to get them their retirement, their 401k, their medical insurance. And I'm, I'm not going to stand here and lie to you and tell you that I've got all those things in place right now. But we've got to do the legwork now to get there because, look, I don't want to work till I'm 70 years old. I probably will because I'm a dummy like that, but <laughs> I don't want to do that. I want to be able to enjoy my life. I don't want to have to work six and seven days a week. I don't want to, to not be able to take off and go take a vacation. How do we fix that? I think that is part of leadership that maybe we don't talk about, right? Is having the insight to be able to say, hey, you know what? If our people are our most important asset, what are we doing to make their lives better? You know, are yeah. we offering a retirement plan? If we're not, what are we doing to make sure that we get that? Can we bring in a financial advisor to talk to them? Can we bring in a, a Dave Ramsey Absolutely. consultant to talk, you know, through budgeting, personal budgeting to make their lives better? That's leadership. You know, David, who I do the podcast with. Yeah, great guy. It, over the past couple of years, he, he's he's talked about this thing he does in his shop where he sits down and he spends 30 minutes to an hour with his people. Now, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of shop owners are going to cringe when they hear that. And it's because they don't feel like they've got the time. I can't pull somebody out of production for one hour, right? And they, they, they're like wondering what in the world we're doing. We're taking off and we're going to training for a whole week. We just took the guys to Orlando, took the whole shop to Orlando for STX and we'll take off and we'll go to carry for ASTE. And then we go to all these other shows and I take one staff member to each one of them. Right. And, and so something that came from that, as I heard David continually talk about these meetings where he was talking to them was something that hit me that we never ask. And it's because it's a hard question. Are you happy? Maybe you got to ask yourself that. You got to ask your staff that. Are you happy? What does happiness look like for you? This do, <laughs> You can run out of time really quick. You don't know how much time you've got. You can turn the corner tomorrow and your time can run out. You better enjoy it. My daddy always told me from the time I was very little, he said, son, the destination's the grave. You better enjoy the journey. You better enjoy the ride. All right? And that's true. Something we don't think about a lot. And we don't want to. We put it to the back of our mind. Don't we have a responsibility to look at our staff members and say, are you happy? What can I do to help? I may not have all the solutions. What can I do to help? If we don't start making some strides to try and make things better, look, Jay, there's going to be consolidation. There's no way around there it. Is. With, there with, is. With the market that's coming, the way that things are happening with EVs, the changes that we're seeing, there will be a consolidation. Lots of shops will close. There's no way around it. I don't care. People say, this has happened before. We've had new technology, this, that, and the other. I promise you, we're going to see consolidation. There are going to be shops that consolidate. There are going to be shops that close. There's no way around it. I, I Look at the numbers. Look at the facts. Look at the data. Whatever you want to look at, there's going to be consolidation. Shops are going to close. We're going to be working with a smaller base of shops in the future than we are right now. And in some ways, some folks are concerned that they may be less profitable than they are today. So we've got to make some hardcore decisions right here, right now. And I think we got to start with, are you happy? And if you're not, what do we need to do to make you happy? 
it, it's so impactful what you're saying there. I think it's, I, I don't know, like, I, I feel like that is such a maybe underrated question in general in, in life, not even just for, for shop owners. You know, yeah. I think being able to understand what makes you happy and what's not fabrication happiness or fabricated yeah. happiness, you know, you referred to social media and kind of showing everything great about life, but maybe on the backside of that, not having an accurate reflection of that. And I think it, it, it generally takes experience, right. To, to yeah. really learn that because even as, as shop owners, right. Like shop owners might think they thought they would be happy yeah. opening a shop or, mm -hmm. you know, managing people. I hear that from a lot of managers in general that, you know, this was so different than what I thought it was. Absolutely. And it breaks your heart because you're like, oh man, I can tell you're miserable. Like this is, this is not fun. And yeah, you know, absolutely. It, it's just awful. I, you know, I've, I've got a guy working on the building right now. He's a good friend of mine and he's doing the framing. And he said, man, if I could just like the, the, I've got all the jobs you could ever want. And, and the problem is, is I'm having to run here and run there and fix this and fix that. And, and, and man, I, I like, I, I got to charge people more and I, and I'm asking questions and it becomes very clear. He's uncomfortable being the leader. And I, you know, the, the age old Michael, Michael Gerber question, if you want to bake cupcakes for God's sakes, go get a job baking cupcakes, but owning a bakery that bakes cupcakes is not the same job no. as baking cupcakes. Why do you own a bakery? And, and he stands there in disbelief and looks at me and says, well, I, I, I don't know. It just happened. No, it didn't just happen. Right in life, we get so busy and we start making decisions, and we're chasing happiness. We're chasing some type of reward. We're chasing something that we think is going to fill the void in our lives. And I don't mean to get all psychological in the whole nine yards. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying, right? Like, isn't that what we're all doing? We're trying to find some type of reward. It's not just about the money, right? And a lot of times, technicians kind of go back to the money thing. I don't think it's just the money. I think they really need to ask the question: Am I happy? And what does happiness look like for me? I'm going to tell a little story. Years ago, when I started coaching with Rick White, he said, I need you to determine what your destination is. Man, somebody asked you that. That's pretty tough. It's deep. And you don't realize how tough it is until they start like, I want you to be able to tell me what it smells like, what it sounds like, and what you can see, and, and you know what, what your desired outcome for your life is. Where do you want to be in 20 years? Golly, man. Like, and, and you know, remember when they asked you that when you were getting out of high school, what are you going to do with your life? I don't know. Like trying <laughs> no, not to blow it up. <laughs> you know, the same thing I'm doing with my truck. And, and so what is your desired outcome? And so as, as Rick asked me that, I'm like, I'll give him some little BS answer. And he's like, that's not it. And if you, man, if you've ever seen anger management, like I was so ready to just choke this dude out. I'm like, if you ask me that one more time and he kept asking and asking and asking, and we weren't moving on. I was like, okay, I've given him every fake answer I can imagine. I guess I'm really going to have to think about this one, right? Like I'm going to have to think about it. And I started like really thinking through it and it led to more questions than answers. And he said, there. That's what I'm talking about. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You said you want a destination, and now I've got questions about how I could achieve that and what that looks like and why I don't understand what the destination is and why. I, 
the more I think about the destination, the more stressed I am. He, he's like, that's the point is, is you've got to realize that you don't know what happiness is. You don't know what you're searching for and what you're looking for. You need somebody in your life to help guide you and help you find that and help you nail that down and put it on paper and begin to build a system, a formula for how you achieve it. But right now you're going through life and you're like, I'm going to fix this car and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. All thinking you're going somewhere, but you're literally sitting in the same spot you were when I met you. Oh, that sucked. That really sucked. Because it's the realization that it's not just about coming to work and doing a job. It's not just about fixing the car. It's not just about making the money. It's about being happy. And as leaders, that's our responsibility for our people. Push them outside of their comfort zone. Find out what their true destination is. Where do you want to be? What do you see for yourself? Make them ask the hard questions of themselves. And, And lots of them don't want that. I get that. But if you want to work at my shop, that's part of what we're going to do. Where do you want to be in 10 years? I've got one that wants to own a shop. I want one, I've got one that wants to be a trainer. I've got one that wants to be a business partner and, and it help develop this into selling cars. Right? I've got another one who says, I want to retire. I've got another one who says, I want to be a master technician. I've got one who says, I don't know. And my responsibility as business owner is to help build this business in such a way that I can help each of them achieve their desired outcome. That's my job. But we don't think about it like that. We think about it like, well, we come in. You know, I, I heard a business coach said one time, you're not building a family. You're building a business. I hate to tell you something. You, you spend more time with these people than you do with your own family. This, life is too short to go through life focused solely on dollar bills that will one day evaporate and mean nothing. So for those of you wondering what my answer to Rick White was, it was, I want to leave a legacy. If my little girl or my little boy says, my dad was Lucas Underwood, I want them to say he was a good man. He helped me one time. That gave me chills. I've got chills <laughs> all over my body. That I mean, talk about impact, talk about meaning, and you talk about the value of life. And I don't, did you know Anthony Williams? Man, I, I, I. I'm a tough old country boy, but that hurt. I'm not going to lie. That hurt. We were, we were at the same event and a good friend of mine and I had gone to the grocery store and he said, I'm going to meet Chris and Anthony and I will talk to you later. And I did not hear from him the next morning. I thought that's really weird. And then that afternoon he came in and he said, did you hear? And I said, no. And he said, that's bad. And what I remember most about that, because you, you know, I know what you're getting ready to say is that Anthony more than once for ASOG, more than once for me personally was ready to stick his neck out on the chopping block and say, let's just try and see if I get fired, I get fired. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not asking for that. No, you don't understand. I care about your vision. So I want to help you achieve it. I don't care what it costs me. He was a he was an amazing human being. I I've heard different variations of that same story regarding Anthony from lots of people, and I I didn't know him well. I knew you know we met at conferences, and we actually were just on a, a, a roundtable for 
vehicle service pros. I think right. it was for P10 or one of the one of the magazines. Yeah. And you know, less than a month prior to that, and when I saw the news, I was just like, I can't be. Like I, you know, yeah. just was talking with him, and then. I talked to Tanner Brandt, and Tanner was down there as well. And um, that, that was just, the friend I was talking about. Tanner and I had yeah. gone to the grocery store, and Chris sent me a message, hey, let's grab some lunch with Anthony. And, and you know, I'm going to tell you, there, there's, there's few situations like that in life that give you a wake-up call like that. There really are. You're not promised tomorrow. And, and you – you better make the most out of every single day because if you, you know, like for me, the legacy thing, if it runs out tomorrow, right. And and there were times in my life, I didn't live up to the legacy. I didn't live up to who I want to be. I don't, I didn't live up to who I want my kids to remember me as man. What a, what an amazing role model for living up to the legacy. Anthony was. I, yeah, I, the legacy thing, and we talk about leadership and we talk, you know, to bring it back full circle, one, Anthony was the prime example of that in, yeah. in living your life that way. And, and also a stark reminder that it, it can come to an end fast. And yeah. how, I think they always talk about People won't remember what they said to you, but they'll remember how they felt after they talked to you. And I, I, I just feel like that's leadership as a whole. People know when they're great leaders and it's because people follow them and people are drawn to them. And I think that's what you see in the, the best leaders and not necessarily managers, right? But the leadership and you can see leadership throughout a shop, right? It doesn't have to yes. be from the front office. You can see Amen. it in some of the best technicians that are out there and how they lead others in their shop and maybe don't get the recognition that they should for doing that. And I, you know, I just think when you look at impact, it doesn't matter what position you're in, you can Amen. have a, a leadership impact and a huge impact on a lot of people. Dan Beakey, right? Perfect example of that, you know, and, and, and I, I watch him closely and, and see what he says and see what he does. And as far as I'm concerned, Dan kind of looked at Chrysler and his dealership and said, I'm doing this and you're coming with me or bye. Right. Like I'm not giving you a choice. I'm, I'm doing what's right. I'm leading. And, and, and he's become the leader of, of that, that side of our industry, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. The right. voice. I mean, yeah, in Absolutely. a lot of ways, the voice. And I, I think it's so cool because I, I do think there's so many examples of great leadership in our industry yeah. and people that should have a voice and, and somebody like you that took the time out while you're building a shop and while you're waiting on hoist and while you're, you know, you're, while you're doing all this other stuff, took time out of your day to share your insights with our audience. I mean, what a pleasure. This is, this is, uh, this pleasure, is, buddy incredibly inspirational and i didn't mean to go the route with with talking about anthony but i did think it was important right. because i it, it, it really ties all of this together yes it really does and and you know i know that 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 uh, is is so proud of anthony and what he accomplished and and where he went with this but you know i, I hope deb hears this and and hears us say that that we need to say thank you for for sharing him with us Right, Amen. because he made the automotive industry a better place. Couldn't have said it better. I and I, I just 
I'm so deeply touched by that. And, and I hope everybody that knew Anthony knew that he had some impact and, and yeah. talk about a leader. I mean, talk about I a mean. leader and that's what it's all about. So I, I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate you taking some time out of your extremely busy schedule to join us today. And, and uh, I'm honored to be here. And thank you for taking time out to hang out with me. I, I always enjoy and I always enjoy getting a, a chance to sit down and talk with you. And I feel like I always come away a little bit better than I was when I came into it. So thank yeah. you so much. And, and I appreciate your feedback as well. Oh, my goodness, man. I Every time we talk, I, I always end up inspired. And likewise, I, I, I think I need to, we, we just need a Lucas like a microphone or a, a <laughs> something in the office here to just to just spew out great knowledge all the time. It, it's, it's always my good. staff would probably disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate it, man. We'll, we'll have yes, you back sir. out again sometime soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Jay. See you, buddy. <laughs>